and welcome into the show. You're listening to Mustache, the drinking podcast, where we have mustaches and we talk about drinking on the show. This is going to be the start of our little series here week by week. We are going to delve into whiskey as if the hour and a half you just listened to last week wasn't enough. And episode one of this little series is going to dive into the sweet nectar that is Irish whiskey, Quinn. Oh, it's a good topic. <laughs> I know this is uh, near and dear to both of our hearts. We'll get to Scotch where you'll be uh, drooling all over your mic the entire episode. But this is this one is all about Irish whiskey. We're talking about your Jamesons. We're talking about your Telemore Dews. We're talking about your Red Breast. And uh, starting off here, Quinn, I think the best idea would be is to dive right into the history of Irish whiskey and while we do that, we can mix in what we're drinking today. Perfect. If you want to start with the history, then yeah, we can. I'm going I'm to take a couple sips of my Tullamore Dew. We can dive right into that. So Irish whiskey, or as you say in Gaelic, we have one listener in Ireland, which is absolutely batshit insane. Whoever you are, you're amazing. Thank you for listening to some of our episodes. You might never even make it to this one, but when I butcher Gaelic here please uh call for my head on a spike uh in in gaelic irish whiskey is something along the lines of usish bretha that's obviously wrong but that's what it is it's made wouldn't it be closer to like whiskey brecha fuski yeah i can't even it's well, i think i think the ui makes it with whiskey whiskey you think it sounds like whiskey? I think it sounds... I think I've heard it pronounced once before when I was in Ireland, but I can't say for sure. <laughs> Our Gaelic needs a little bit of a, a touch-up, meaning multiple classes over years and years of time to get that to the right spot it needs to be. Uh, Betha is probably close enough to that second, uh, second word there. Um, but as Quinn uh, tries to find a little bit more on that, it sounds like we're going to talk about it's made on the island of Ireland. Uh, the word whiskey comes from the Irish. So it's Quinn is probably right. And it means the water of life, that that uh, that Gaelic whiskey, whiskey, something along the lines of that. Um, but like I said, it means the water of life. So you can imagine how much people in Ireland love Irish whiskey. And, uh, you know, that is a huge thing for them, for them to name it the water of life back that back that long ago. It was one of the most popular. It was once the most popular spirit in the world. It's been through a long period of decline from the late 19th century onward uh, as it was greatly damaged, greatly damaged the industry. Um, so much so that in Ireland boasted over 30 distilleries in 1890. Could you imagine that, Quinn, having 30 different distilleries to go to? That would be wonderful. Thirty, be so many great whiskey. Like, even if only a third of those distilleries made a good whiskey at that time. <laughs> what are you saying that they wouldn't all make a good whiskey? Come on. No, I'm just simply saying that even if there was only a third of them that did, which I'm going to assume it was ninety nine percent, if not all of them, because I mean, people have much different tastes when it comes to what they want in whiskey, even in Irish whiskeys, uh, like the difference between Tullamore Dew and Jameson. 
I think there's a world of difference in my opinion. But like, even if it was just a third, that's 10 great distilleries that you had. Oh, 30. And, and to even to, to think of that now as uh, um, in 1990, a century later, it fell down to just three, three of them. That's, excuse me, that is insane for them to fall down to just three for the industry to fall that much over 100 years. 90% gone. 90%. Just, I wonder how many of those were bought out by competitors or. I mean, it doesn't specify um, at all, actually. So it would be very interesting to see how many combined. You've talked about that, that combining. Um, you talked about your special whiskey you have where a bunch of distilleries went out of business and put their whiskeys together. And, you know, the, the, the island of Ireland, the country, is not that big to support 30 different, 30 different um, distilleries, I don't think, in this time. Maybe in this time with shipping and everything possibility, but three seems low. I, I think it's a little bit more I mean, now. That, I think that's a pretty like clear just appreciation for it if there's like those many per capita like that that's a real like sign of something that that's really beloved and respected so i'm just gonna throw this out there to our irish listener if we butcher anything in this i want to hear from you personally yeah uh shoot us a message we'll we'll read it on the uh the next episode, so long as we don't have to expletive out lots of things, uh, just just because, you know, we might swear like fucking sailors, but we we try not to. <laughs> I do my. I best really don't want to. Sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sometimes. Other times, it's like it's like you know, fuck it. I have the vocabulary <laughs> of a well-educated sailor. Well, as you can tell by the fact that we're even talking about Irish whiskey, it's made a huge resurgence in popularity. Every year it's been growing since 1990. Uh, experts guess that it's probably about 15% per year, which is absolutely huge. The existing distilleries have expanded. A number of new, new distilleries have come up. Uh, if we look back to December of 2019... They currently have 32 distilleries in operation. Now, that would include very small um, ones, but this includes either planned or under development, actually, as well. So this can include very, okay. very small ones and uh, very big ones as well. So, so ones that might be pretty hard to find outside of the UK or even Europe. Outside of probably even Ireland at some points. There's probably some real small ones that oh, I would assume that you... You know, Quinn, I'm trying to keep our one Irish listener. They are part of the EU. <laughs> and they like it that way. <laughs> I don't blame them. But, you know. We don't have any listeners in England yet. So they're part of the, let, we don't have to touch on that. We can't, we don't, let, let's just, they're part of the EU. They want to be part of the EU. That I, I would, I would gesture away from even saying they're part of the UK because <laughs> oh boy and this is interesting we just talked about that you might be able to find them outside of ireland you might not be able to find them at all actually because reading here uh some are have produced on site sufficiently for aged for sale 
So some of them don't even have whiskey that's old enough for sale. So we talked about the part where you talked where you would buy whiskey from other places and sell it as your own. These places are yeah. having to do that right now, or they're just you know burning money into making this Irish whiskey and waiting. They're just sitting on that liquid gold, waiting for it to age a yep. little, waiting for it to be just so good. And I, I have to say, I have respect for any distillery that is just sitting on it and not <laughs> and not selling it, labeling someone else's. Exactly that huge but, respect. I mean, not that I have disrespect for those who don't, but I. It, it's someone who has to really care about what they're making and that the people will love what they're putting out there. If they're going to just go, you know what? No, we're, we're not going to bottle someone else's and sell it under our label for a bit. We're going to wait on our own and it's going to be fucking great. Quinn, I believe this is wrong. The next fact on here, it says that only two have been op- were operating prior to 1975. When was Jameson opened? Oh, uh, I'm going to guess quite some time ago. I'm pretty sure Jameson was op- started in the 1800s, if I'm correct. I'm fairly certain you are correct. It says that only Bushmills in Northern Ireland and Middleton in the Republic of Ireland uh, were operating prior to 1975, but we'll get a fact check on that. So just a quick Google search. John Jameson lived from 1740 to 1823. Mm-hmm. Um, he started a distillery in Dublin in 1780. Yeah, so it, it's been around for a while. It maybe that's just you know they've moved distilleries or something since then, mm-hmm. and that's why they're not on there. Well, Quinn, which of the uh, earliest distilled drinks in Europe, which is our Irish whiskey, one of the earliest? Which, uh, which, which, what are, what are you drinking today? I'm drinking Tullamore Dew. Um, what I lovingly refer to as Tully. I actually went out and misread a bottle when buying it. I thought I was buying a special Tullamore Dew in a ceramic jug. (laughs) Uh, it is just Tullamore Dew in a ceramic jug, but I'm okay with that because, I planned on turning the jug into an infinity bottle anyways, um, which is kind of a living, breathing, blended whiskey. You just continue to mix in different whiskeys. We'll do an episode on that someday down the line about making an infinity bottle and what one is. But so smelling it, it, it has a real clear, like multi smell and it's got like a little footnote of fruitiness behind that. But I, I think it's a lot like grain forward in smell, at least to me. And taste wise, I mean, I'm drinking it neat and it's smooth. There is some burn, not a ton. Uh, you can get some spice to it, a little bit of toastiness. Um, there's clear graininess, a little bit of vanilla. And I think there's also some like fruitiness that comes through just on the very back. Um, I don't think it's overwhelmingly fruity at all. Uh, Irish whiskeys, I tend to think of being a little bit fruitier, but this one isn't as fruity and it finishes with just 
it's almost like a caramel kind of finish, mm-hmm. which actually has me thinking about making a Tullamore Dew caramel, which Ooh. could be pretty good. That's an idea for a later that episode. That would certainly be good. I've had um, tequila chocolates before, and that was, those were good. I've made um, brandy caramels before. Mm. I used that as a topping for a cinnamon roll at one point, and pretty good. But I think a Tullamore Dew one might just step it up a notch. So tell me, what are you drinking today, well, Andrew? I live with four roommates, or three. There's four of us in the house, and we have a whole like built-in glass liquor cabinet. I don't, it's not for liquor, but that's what's in there, and. It, <laughs> it's a liquor cabinet now. <laughs> and as I, as you guys know, I have my own liquor cabinet on wheels. So I have both of those in the house. And when I tell you that the entire four shelves in that built-in are full, it's a corner built-in. They're full of liquor, all four shelves. And my liquor cabinet has like five bottles of mine in there. Uh, and I look through every single bottle, and the only bottle of Irish whiskey we have is my cold brew that I've already drank twice on the show. So I was like, God damn it, I didn't plan ahead. So it looks like I'm drinking this. <laughs> so I was like, well, I can't just drink it straight again. So I have to find something else. But Quint, we have five bottles of Kentucky straight for next week's, whatever. So <laughs> <laughs> obviously my roommates have no taste. There's two bottles of Everclear, and we have one bottle of Irish whiskey. So I'm like, what can I make with this? What? what 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 was this made to be drank? And obviously it's made to be drank straight. But on the bottle it says make into a cocktail. So I was like, cocktail? What are we doing here? So I went on the Jameson website and I found the Jameson Cold Brutini. And I didn't make it exactly as it said, Ooh. but it's two parts Jameson Cold Brew, one part cold brew coffee, and half part simple syrup. And I used very small portions because it has actual coffee in it. And, I, and it's, what, 10 o'clock right now? I don't want to be up at 4 a.m. So I used small portions of everything um, and just made a little tiny drink here. And uh, I took a sip already. It's very good. But let me take another one here for you. You know, the ice rolling around. I'll put a little bit of ice in there for you. So I think something that's always really popular is Irish whiskeys and coffee. And that makes a lot of sense to me, especially with their like caramely finishes. And I just, I think they blend so well together. Um, What, what do you think of the coffee one you just made? So I've had an Irish coffee before I've made an Irish coffee before both amazing. Wonderful. Definitely would start my day with that 100% as long as I'm not driving anywhere. This one uh, is is it's different. There's no cream to it in this one. So there's no creamy finish, but it is a very smooth, very smooth finish just sits. And then it sits in your mouth too. And it's the, for those of you who've tried the Jameson cold brew, definitely try it whenever you can. But if you tried it, it sits on that flavor on your tongue. And that simple syrup, I think thickens the drink just enough to hold it in your throat and on your tongue. So you continue to taste it two, three minutes after you've just taken a sip, which is maybe yeah, not that. So it, it'll just kind of coat more so as yes. opposed to just wash away. Exactly. And I think that's why the simple syrup's there to sweeten it just a touch and let it sit in your mouth and you can enjoy that flavor. And the coffee breaks apart that, um, breaks apart any bite that it would have when you drank it straight. And it just lets it, it just gives it a nice, good, rich coffee taste from the 
from the beginning to the finish and it's all the same. There's no, it doesn't change too much. Quinn, I know you like that kind of like, Oh, I can taste this. And then, Oh, I can taste a little bit at the back. This one's pretty much the even taste through, but it's a very rich and a very tasty taste, uh, tasty sitting on your tongue like that. Oh, I imagine that that drink would be something I would love because oh. I am a big coffee lover and a big whiskey lover. A quick shout out to where I believe the best Irish coffee in the United States is. Uh, the Buena Vista in San Francisco. You've had it? Just, I have. I've been there twice. Wow. Um, and yeah, it it is, if you're ever in the Bay Area, it is worth a trip to go try an Irish coffee there. They're silky and delicious. So we'll look a little bit at the history here before we move on. This episode is going to go a little bit faster than you're used to us going. Uh, so in around the 12th century, Irish monks brought this technique of distilling perfumes back to Ireland from their travels around the Mediterranean around uh, 1000 AD. They noticed that they then changed this drink to make it drinkable and termed and they deemed it whiskey. Uh, it would be produced during this period would have differed from what we re currently recognize that whiskey would be different. We've talked about that last episode and um, Irish mist, a whiskey liqueur launched in 1963, purposely based on such a recipe from back then in that historic kind of times. It's hard to find you know, that. That surprises me. I, honestly always thought that Irish whiskey came about similar to how, you know, other inventions of alcohol have come about. Um, for instance, like mead, the belief is someone mixed water and honey and it sat for a while and got bubbly and then they drank it and found out it was alcoholic and delicious. Hmm. Um, the, the same is said about uh, beer. It was grains that were sitting with some water and that fermented just through the natural yeast. So I always thought that whiskey kind of originated in a similar way, certainly without distilling um, at that point. So it probably wouldn't really be considered whiskey, but I didn't know it came from the art of perfume. Yes. And from the Mediterranean and uh, um, you know, it was, that could explain why it has such a, like a full nose in that anytime you smell a whiskey, Oh. You get so much out of it. This is just Irish whiskey, Quinn. Sorry, I don't know if I said Oh, that. okay. Because we talked about the um the whiskey last week being from so far before that. This is Irish this is this is a separate the Irish monks coming back to Ireland for the uh for this one. Um oh, okay. It was not aged, Quinn, not aged, and it was flavored with herbs such as mint, thyme, and uh anise, I think that says. Yeah, anise or anise. Yeah. So kind of a licorice taste. Yeah. So they were flavored with herbs. Very, very interesting. Kind of not something that I, I either of us, I think, would expect from any alcohol, uh, let alone something, excuse me, in the whiskey family. What time period did you say that was? Was that around? Uh, the 12th century. Like the Roman era? Okay. So no. 12th century. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, so the oldest known record comes from 1405 in the annals of Oh, God damn. Clon McNoise. <laughs> Ruined that. You always, that. <laughs> you always know it's going to go badly when you just start with, oh, God damn. Where it was written at the head of the clan, head of a clan died after taking 
a surfeit of aqua vitae at Christmas. Its first known mention in Scotland dates back to 1494. However, it is known that by 1556, whiskey was widespread as an act passed by English Parliament declared whiskey to be a drink, nothing profitable to be drunken daily and is used and used is now universally through the realm of Ireland. So Ireland was being claimed that they were drunks in 1556 by the English. (laughs) Good God. (laughs) Oh my God. This is amazing. All right. Moving on to the process. Irish whiskey. It has a smooth finish compared to your, your beautiful scotches. Um, And that is due in part to peating. Uh, Peat is rarely used in the malting process elsewhere. There are notable exceptions to these rules in both in both Scotland and Ireland. Um, we can talk about some of those uh, later. But there you're are, saying peat is rarely used in Irish whiskey. Ireland, yeah, right? rarely. But they are. They right. are, Quinn. So we might have to find those because you would probably um, faint and die if you tried something like that. Oh, a peated Irish whiskey. <laughs> that, yeah. Uh, to our Irish listener. If you know of one, hit us. <laughs> let it, let if we can get it. <laughs> if we ever we can't, we'll fly over eventually. Where, where there is, a, I will happily fly over. <laughs> um, when you know other countries start allowing us in. So, like a couple of years from now, I'm happy to. Come. <laughs> oh, we boy. look at the licensor of this of this spirit. In 1608, King James I granted a license to Sir Thomas Phillips, a landowner in none other than Bush Mills County Atrarium. Have you ever tried Bush Mills? I have. Not a bad Irish whiskey. It's pretty good. I have one distinct memory of it. Uh, We were in Dublin, and we decided we wanted just a chill night in at our hostel. So we went, we picked up a liter of Bush Mills, we were like, all right, there's three of us and whoever else is in the hostel, we're going to share. Um, yeah, so that night we got real drunk. <laughs> no, I don't know how it happened, but yeah. And then the next night when we actually went out to bars, we were in bed by midnight. <laughs> I, I did Ireland wrong or exactly right. I think I did it right. Just, you know, chilling with people, hanging out in the hostel. I I'm happy with it, but yeah, Ireland was a, an interesting time for me. Cause every night we went out and we, we were like, we're going to go party tonight. We didn't <laughs> any night. We decided we're going to stay in. We partied. <laughs> <laughs> and we look at, uh, that licensor lays on the land that the old Bushmill distillery laid, but Bushmill did not register to trade until 17, 17- 84. So that's 172 years after they were granted a license on that property that they started trading their whiskey um, and not, you know, going under whatever, you know, everything, uh, how it works, you know, you know how it is, uh, moonshine and such. <laughs> <laughs> and like we talked about a little bit earlier in the early 1800s, Ireland was at the peak of spirit market in when it comes to Irish whiskey you the in the UK overall and in in England as well they were demanding it and there were lots of people in England at this time 
you know, Ireland became the largest producers of spirit within that Isle nation that we that that would be called the United Kingdom. And Dublin was the largest market for spirits in all of Ireland. And they emerged as a major distilling center as uh, Jameson is there, I believe. There are a couple other ones that do not come to mind right now, but I know that there are four, the big four was the big one, four largest distilleries in Ireland. John Jameson, William. Oh no, that's, that's who opened Jameson, correct? Correct. Yeah. John Jameson, William Jameson, John Powers and George Rowe. And they have a huge, we've talked about that is one of the, that is one of your staples for your bar is having a bottle of Jameson in there because you can mix it with just about anything. Right. Um, so I think that makes a perfect segue just for, according to Town & Country Magazine, their top 10 rated Irish whiskeys. I just wanted to quick go through this list. I know we haven't tried all of them, um, but I, I wanted to see which ones we have. So number one on their list is the Dead Rabbit Irish Whiskey. Uh, this one has a palate that's fairly robust and spicy with black pepper. Now, I've never tried it. I'm very intrigued by them saying it, it's got a black pepperiness to it because I really like that flavor and I think it can be really cool when that comes through in a drink. Uh, where, where do you stand? Would you like a whiskey that has a hint of black pepper to it? Black pepper. I just can't. Is it going to, is it going to add a little bit of burn on top of the whiskey burn? Will you even be able to tell? I mean, uh, probably add a little bit of heat. I'd try it. I mean, it's Irish whiskey, so, you know, I'd definitely try it. Interesting. I mean, it's their number one ranked one, so hell yeah, I'd try it. Is it? Uh, or is, it is this an order? I'm assuming this is an order. Okay. I'm going to say it's an order because <laughs> their number two ranked is Tullamore Dew, which I've already touched on. Oh, whatever. <laughs> one of my favorites. I think it is... I prefer it to Jameson, and I think it has a little bit more flavor than Jameson. Okay. And I think you can use it pretty much the same as Jameson. In like in my bar, I would stock it as my mixing whiskey, or someone wants an Irish whiskey neat. It's something that's super versatile, just like a Jameson. But I lean the Tullamore Dew side, just because I think it has a little bit more body and like complexity to its flavor. And I've tried it. I, I bought a bottle when I was on sale before I knew that you were such a big fan. And I, I wasn't tasting for flavors at that time, but it was good. I mean, you can disagree with me. No, I'm, I'm not. I, no, I do like it. I, I have no problem. It was a little strong for me. I think at that point, Okay, this was two and a half, three years ago. So, you know, right around 21. So nicely. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have Redbreast 15 Year. This is delicious. Uh, though, my complaint is the price. Uh, so I could buy what? four bottles of Tullamore Dew to my one bottle of Redbreast 15. Uh, Tullamore Dew retails for about $37. Redbreast, $129. Cheap, Quinn. Come on, get your shit together. <laughs> uh, but red breast i think you get a lot more of that fruitiness that i talk about i tend to think of when i think of an irish whiskey 
it it has a very clear fruity taste to it and the nose is it's a, it's one of those whiskeys that you sit there for a couple of minutes smelling it before you even want to taste it when i've got to try this drink i can imagine a, a glass of this would be like 40 dollars but uh no i've gotten it at a bar and it's i mean it's certainly more than getting a shot of jameson yeah yeah it's not that asinine okay it's it's not like you're ordering um uh pappy van winkle that we were talking about last episode yeah she's where Christ. A, a drink on the cheap end is gonna run you 60 bucks jesus uh, next up we have bush mills this Classic. is a lighter lighter palette it's a kind of a beautiful gold whiskey and again has some fruity notes and a little bit of subtle vanilla on there it's not personally not my favorite irish whiskey um, I've only had it a handful of times. I have no real complaints about it. It's just, you know, not my preferred. Uh, where, where do you stand on that? Do you, would you say you like it more than a Tullamore Dew or a Jameson or? Yeah, no, probably not. I'm a big Jameson guy. I mean, I, I like, I really do enjoy Jameson. I'll have to get a little bit more into Tullamore Dew, see how I enjoy it. It's a basic whiskey. I just find it funny that they put 1608 on their thing when they weren't, you know, commissioned until 1784, but whatever. What what am I to complain to the Irish gods about? <laughs> uh, that actually, so uh, the next one up is Jameson Irish Whiskey, which I don't think we need to touch on too much. We've yeah. talked about this many times. We strongly recommend it. Uh, it's a, a very safe whiskey that has, you know, it, it does have good flavor. It's something that you can... Like I was saying, when talking about Tullamore Dew, you can mix it, you can drink it straight. It, it's not a whiskey that is going to offend anyone's palate. So it's a really like un, unifying kind of kind of whiskey, in my opinion. One that pretty much any whiskey drinker can agree on. Jameson, I'll take that. Certainly. Moving on. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Powers Gold Label. Uh, this is about $35 a bottle. I can't say I've had the Powers Gold label before, uh, but the description is, this heavier style blended Irish whiskey is great for all types of cocktails, but I really love it in sour style drinks. When I think of Powers Gold, I think of honey, golden raisins, and hay. Hay. <laughs> yeah, uh, that... <laughs> I don't, so I think I get what they're saying. It has a strong multi kind of smell or grainy smell to it or taste, I guess. I don't know if I would necessarily use hay as, as a descriptor for a drink that I want someone to try, especially after leading with golden raisins and honey. But, oh, God. you know. To each their own. It it it's it's not in that dope ass bottle, but it is available at Total Wine in Minnesota. So this is an option. So is Redbreast um twenty seven year and twenty one year. I'm sure those would both be delicious. Uh next up we have Teeling Single Grain Irish Whiskey. 
I actually have never heard of this one before. Um, they describe it as, ooh, uh, I love pairing its flavors with nectarine, sumac, citrus, and anything tangy. So I'm going to guess it's probably a little bit on the sweeter side if it goes really well with tangy things, though that might not be correct. Um, no, I've I've never heard of this one. Have you? This one looks really good, but I have not. I, I the sweetness and the citrus to it. It's from what it sounds like, at least. Um, really appealed to me. Mixed drinks. It would be like like a, I I would probably make this into a sour. And I think it'd be really good. All right. And that brings us to our next one, which is. Do it. Kanapoke Castle. <laughs> Kanapog. Napoge? Yeah. The K sounds definitely silent. Napoge Castle. Single malt, 16 year. Again, another one I've never heard of before. The label on this bottle makes me think a little bit of wine. Yeah, it does. Um, which I think is kind of interesting because then – so it has two labels. The one up top kind of looks like what you'd see on a Merlot bottle, and then below is straight-up fucking scotch. Um, <laughs> and so they use bourbon barrels actually for this one, and it has a strong stone fruit taste, so that might be kind of like a peach kind of flavor. And sugar. So this one is a lot more of a fruity, um, sweet taste forward, it sounds like. Let's see. And they final... Yep, it's definitely a sweet taste forward because they uh, finish the aging in sherry casks. This is... Which... Oh, that sounds pretty pretty good. This is as well in uh, at Total Wine, if you'd like to go find it there. And it's got... It's taste profile. It says intense oak apple chocolate and complex and it gets a 92 on the wine enthusiast scale and i have no idea what that means but definitely for your so you know what it is uh have you ever heard of green spot irish whiskey our next one <laughs> i haven't heard of most of this list quinn <laughs> <laughs> well i can tell you i've had this one and it is i describe it as a really chill irish whiskey it's really smooth. Um, I don't remember a ton about its specific flavor profiles. Here they describe it as having a hint of brininess and that it pairs really well with acidic cocktails or herb cocktails. I just remember tasting it and thinking that it, it was smooth, it was flavorful, and I wanted another glass. Green Spot makes other things here interesting. Uh, Green Spot Chateau Montalena is that a wine? Chateau Montalena. I I'm going to assume so. And there's a I don't generally hear Chateau on something that isn't a wine at least. And there's a Green Spot Chateau Leoville Barton, and so they make whiskey on the side in their wine barrels is what it sounds like. And I think this list really leans into that. Like, <laughs> so finally our last one on this list, which I have never heard of before is slain Irish whiskey. This is described as very approachable and great for mixing. 
Uh, it's fairly complex in flavor as they use three different types of casks, virgin, seasoned, and sherry casks. And because of that, they're saying it pairs really well with other spirits because it would have flavors that would, you know, be similar to the way that those other ones are casked because it's going through these different processes. Um, again, never heard of it before and would be interested in trying it. Uh, we're, we're probably going to have to nail down one or two from this list to come back to. I think, um, Quinn, I think my favorite I, thing about this list is that every price that I've seen has been $30 or less when looking up on like actual websites in Minnesota that you can buy on. These oh, are, these are not expensive whiskeys, except for maybe that hundred dollar one. I did not look that one up. The the red breast fifteen. Yeah, that's probably, or... That one's probably expensive, <laughs> yeah. but the rest of them not terrible. Uh, so I figured a good way to kind of end what we're talking about is just to touch on, you know, what what are some cocktails you can make with Irish whiskey? Uh, we certainly touched on t coffee ones. I'm once again, drinking my whiskey neat, but I wanted to first say my favorite, um, Irish whiskey cocktail is the Irish made. It combines two of my favorite things, cucumber and whiskey. So this is made by taking Le Saint Germain, which is a sweet elderberry liqueur, lemon juice, simple syrup, cucumber, muddle it together, shake with ice and two ounces of Irish whiskey, and then strain and garnish with a either like a half baby cucumber or just a slice of cucumber. And it is one of my favorite summer drinks because as soon as you sip it, it's just refreshing. And the only issue I have with it is they are very smooth and deceptively strong because that cucumber in there just makes everything fresh and smooth. And I use honey instead of simple syrup in it, which I think goes really well with cucumber and lemon kind of adds more of a rich sweetness to it. And yeah, have you ever, have I ever made you try an Irish maid? for a cucumber mixed drink before? Not that I remember, I would say. So I don't think so. So I'm going to challenge you uh, as soon as we finish our whiskey series to try an Irish made. Okay. I can try. They're, they're pretty delicious and I'm hard pressed to say it isn't my favorite cocktail. It isn't. Like, oh, you, you're, you're hard. Okay, you think it, it probably is. Is what you're saying. Uh, it, it, it might be. It, it's gonna take a lot for it to beat a Negroni or a good old fashioned. But ooh, God, I hate Negronis. You really gotta make me one of those because, God, when I have bad, you, you might never like it. They're a super dry, bitter forward drink, and. Most people aren't a big fan. They're they're generally used as like a paratif, so kind of in between meals, palate cleanser kind of drink. Okay. 
but I just think they taste delicious. <laughs> well, you know, good, good for you. <laughs> good, 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 for, good for you. Uh, so some other classic um, Irish mixed drinks, Jameson and ginger, Jameson ginger ale or ginger beer and a lime wedge. There's the Irish gold. And this is, uh, here they're using two ounces of Tullamore Dew, a half ounce of peach schnapps, a splash of orange juice, and four ounces of ginger ale, and garnishing with a lime wheel. I personally was on board with this, except for the peach schnapps. I'm not a big peach drink or like peach flavored fan because I think replicating the flavor of a real peach just like most people don't like fake banana taste I just I can't stand peach flavored things nope I think I've had like peach flavored vodka before and it wasn't terrible that sounds like the absolute last (laughs) thing I would ever touch (laughs) I know that's why I said it (laughs) I would sooner drink a grapefruit chili. Oh, God, disgusting. Come on. No, it's a lie. I would probably just not. I I was trying to pick two flavors that just don't work. (laughs) And even then, it's still a toss-up. Oh, my God. I'll be honest. I just can't do peach-flavored things. God, dang. Ugh, no. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Why'd you put that in my head? I hate you. (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, let's move it away from that. Talk about the Zesty Irishman. Uh, this is uh, three-quarters ounce herbal honey liqueur, an ounce of Irish whiskey, a quarter ounce of triple sec, three-quarters ounce of lemon juice, and a splash of ginger ale served with a lemon twist. This, I think, sounds amazing. That does sound good. I'd try that. Uh, And then just to touch on one more, I think it's kind of a great name. It's called the Irish Tea Party. And this is made using a quarter ounce of absinthe, an ounce of Irish whiskey, and four ounces of green tea, sweetened and chilled, garnished with a lime slice. I think this sounds amazing. And going back to kind of the history of like the evolution of Irish whiskey, that absinthe, which is a very anise-forward flavor, and the tea seem to kind of go hand-in-hand with how you were describing. They made them with herbs and anise and different spices. Uh, I'd I'd be really interested to try this one, and I think we should certainly try this on an episode. What do you say? Irish Tea Party? Yep. I hate green tea. I really hate green tea, but if it's sweetened, I would be willing to try it. And it is in this drink. So I, 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 I guess I'd be willing to try it. I just, I don't know if I can get over the green tea. You know, I, I think, can you stand black tea? Yeah. Yeah. tea. Okay. I, so I, I think you could get over it. I think you missed one of the best drinks on this list. 
What drink it's is that? It's a cider drink, Quinn, and you mold right over it, and it's got your favorite whiskey in it. Are you just upset that it mixed your favorite whiskey? Oh, of course not. <laughs> it's the Tully 10 Cider, and it's just like a mint julep where you muddle uh, mint and syrup. You put in whiskey, a little lime, and then uh, your favorite alcoholic, obviously, apple cider. And uh, this sounds like something I could drink all year, not just in the fall. <laughs> this sounds like something I've potentially made. On accident? <laughs> yep. That sounds yep. like something along your lines. No, I, uh, yeah, I, I think I've I've accidentally done this, <laughs> or at least close to. Did it without the the lime, but I've definitely done a hard cider with whiskey and mint. I might have to try this next episode. This one looks good. I just got to get some mint leaves. That's that sounds that sounds pretty good. As soon as we finish the series, try that. I think that's a good that's a good choice because I got to drink a. Uh, and bourbon next episode. Quinn, do we do we have any other uh any other drinks we need to hit on here? You know, I I think that's good for this week. We've we were trying to keep it a little bit short. Uh I think as usual we we rambled on and went longer than expected, but you know what? <laughs> Fuck you. We're we're just going to talk as long as we want to talk. It's our show, damn it. <laughs> We don't get paid. You can't make we don't us get stop. paid to sit here and talk about bullshit for an hour every week. H- hashtag no sponsors, but you want Please. a sponsor? I'm so poor. <laughs> uh, looking at you, Tullamore Looking at you. Definitely, definitely. Send us uh, some some money from across the across the pond. <laughs> send us send some us some whiskey. whiskey. I'll I'll settle for a glass. <laughs> With that, uh, I just want to hit on a couple things right here at the end of the show. Uh, our legal definition I wanted to add in here of Irish whiskey. Uh, there's a couple things. It has to be stilled with less strength than 94.8 alcohol by volume. Uh, we found one that was pretty high, but I can't find anything that's 94.8. So I don't know where they got that number from. Uh, but there's definitely someone out there making a 94.8% Irish whiskey, and we want you to tell us what it is because I could not find it. But the highest one I found was a Red Breast 12-year-old cask-strength Irish whiskey, and that one is 115 proof, so that's pretty damn high for Irish whiskey. But it's not 94.8, so I want that to be found. Um, and the other two things that... I- and I would also like to ask its maker some questions. <laughs> Why does it taste like Everclear? We'll just leave it at Why that. don't you just label it as Everclear? And um, I think one of the reasons that no one has a 94.8% is because it has to retain the color, aroma, and taste derived from the production process. And I don't think you can do that while making it that strong. And the last part is it has to be 40% by... Uh, 40% alcoholic volume in that container. So I think that's pretty important too. And uh, there was a couple other things. The Jameson distillery is currently a mix of a bunch of different distilleries. And it is the new Middleton distillery established in 1975. They moved it. That distillery produces Jameson powers, Patty Middleton, Redbreast, and a few others and the one you tried, Green Spot, is also made there. 
So, oh, okay. but the cool thing, keep up on your Irish whiskey history, as there's a distillery that popped up in 2019 called the Rowan Co. Distillery. It is located in a refurbished building, which formerly housed the power station of the Guinness Brewery, for where originally that's where Jameson was made over there in that district. If you've been to Ireland or you're from Ireland, you would know you you know what we're talking about. If you haven't. Go take a look where the Irish, uh, the Guinness factory is. It's a big warehouse district. The distillery sits alongside the site, the site of George Rowe's original Thomas Street distillery. That's where Jameson started. And this one opened in June of 2019, following a $25 million, million euro investment by the owners of the Guinness brewery. So a huge investment. I can't wait to have an opportunity to That'd try be amazing. Whiskey. And then the last thing I want to point out is Quinn, there's four types of Irish whiskeys, single malt, single pot, still whiskey, grain whiskey, and blended whiskey. Quinn, my last question before we send us out, which one of those is your favorite? The one that's in my <laughs> glass. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll let you off with that answer. <laughs> hey there, there's no complaining when you're drinking exactly thank you guys so much for listening to the show today continue to tune in for our series this one ran a little bit long the rest might run long that's why you love us because we talk about bullshit and to end on our show uh just to just to just to point out guys if anyone you love is suffering from alcoholism if anybody that you care about is suffering from suffering from alcoholism. Excuse me. Uh, we love alcohol, but at some point, uh, it does take a turn for the worse and become a little bit too much. Uh, you can call eight six six eight four two eight one six one if you need if you need to get help or somebody you love or care about needs to get help or anybody needs to get help. Again, that's eight six six eight four two eight one six one. Thank you, Quinn, for co-hosting the show with me once again, and make sure to tune in next week for bourbon. Oh, yeah. Have a great one, guys.